Welcome to today's podcast. Let us go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right, now let's go ahead and give ourselves a blessing for today. We have we find a scripture in Matthew twenty six forty one that says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right, let me read that one more time. Say out loud, Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray. So that you will not fall into temptation. Poke yourself on your chest. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew twenty six forty one. So let's go ahead and uh, let's watch and let's pray. <clears throat> and we will not fall into temptation. We've been warned. Okay, and the way we do this, you may have to say, Ten our fathers out loud in your car, shouting them. That always works, folks. It always uh, works. Here we go. The our father. Let's let's go ahead and say our three of them to get our day started. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen okay let's go ahead and i'm going to say it a little different i'm going to use debts okay and then on the third our father we're going to use sins and we're going to cut it just like i did right now thank you ready our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Okay, now the third one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Excuse me. Amen. I messed up. And deliver us from temptation, keep us from evil. Amen. Okay, folks, I chopped it up. That's what I get for changing it around. But remember our key verse that the the fruit and the reward of doing this is on Psalm 19, excuse me, Psalm 31, verse 19 says, Lord, how wonderful you are. You have stored up so many good qualities for us, like a treasure chest heaped up and spilling over with blessings. All for those who honor and worship you. 
You do this to us all and everyone watching. Amen. Amen. Let's put that in our tea this morning and drink it. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. The Lord has sent his word and healed all our diseases. He is our God, our healer. The Lord said, He sent his word and he healed our diseases. Let us go ahead and listen to his word. Listen up. In Exodus 15, 26, If thou wilt diligent hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do thou which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall not be cast their young, nor be barren, in the land, the number of thy days I will fulfill. Exodus 23, 25, and 26. Psalms 30, verse 2. O Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Psalm 42, 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquitted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 67, 1, 2. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Salah. That day that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among the people. Reading of John, chapter 14, in the Spiritual Renewal Bible, New Living Translation. Don't be troubled. You must trust God. Now trust me. There are many rooms in my Father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know where I'm going and how to get there. No, no, we don't know. Lord, Thomas said, we haven't any idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Hmm. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am? Even after all the time I have been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? 
The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, and in just a little while the world will not see me again. But you will, for I will live again, and you will too. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them. And I will reveal myself to each one of them. Judas, not Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name said, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember, my words are not my own. This message is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Counselor as my representative, and by the Counselor I mean the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything, and I will remind you of everything myself, what I myself have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be very happy for me. Because now I go to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that you will believe when they do happen. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the prince of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come. Let's be going. Jesus, the true vine, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes 
the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it serves severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned, but if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask, any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you, and here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father has told me, You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I command you to love each other. The world's hatred. When the world hates you, remember it hated me before it hated you. The world will love you if you belong to it, but you don't. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me. For they don't know God who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sins. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. If I hadn't done much miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be counted guilty. But as it is, they saw all that I did and yet hated both of us, me and my father. This has fulfilled the scripture said. They hated me without a cause. But I will send you the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth, and He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. And you must also tell others about me because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16 I have told you these things so that you won't fall away. For you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing God a service. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I am telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember. I warned you 
I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and none of you ask me, where am I going? Instead, you are very sad because it is actually best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of his sins and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, there is so much more I want to tell you. But you can bear it now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not be representing His own ideas. He will be telling you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever He receives from me. All that the Father has is mine. That is what I mean when I say that the Spirit will reveal to you whatever He receives from me. Sadness will be turned to joy. In just a little while, I will be gone and you won't see me anymore. Then just a little while after that, you will see me again. The disciples ask each other, what does he mean when he says, you won't see me and then you will see me? And what does he mean when he says, I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him, so he said, Are you asking yourself what I mean? I said, in just a little while, I will be gone and you won't see me anymore. Then in just a little while after that, you will see me again. Truly, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice for you. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. When you see me again, it will be like a woman experiencing the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives place to joy because she has brought a new person into the world. You have sorrow now. I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is, is that you, you can go directly to the Father and ask Him, and He will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in parables, but the time will come when this will not be necessary, and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask me in my name. Then you will ask in my name. I am not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and I will leave the world and return to the Father. When his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not parables. Now we understand that you know everything 
and don't need anyone to tell you anything. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, in fact, is already here when you will be scattered, each one of you, his own way, leaving me alone. Yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Chapter 17, The Prayer of Jesus When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so the Son can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one of you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. And now, Father, bring me into the glory we share before the world began. I have told these men about you. They were in the world, but then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours. And you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the words you gave me. And they accepted them and know that I came from you. And they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me. Because they belong to you. And... All of them, since they are mine, belong to you, and you have given them back to me, so they are my glory. Now I am departing the world. I am leaving them behind and coming to you. Holy Father, keep them and care for them, all those you have given me, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I have kept them safe. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scripture foretold. And now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was with them, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I don't do not. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you, so that they also might be entirely yours. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are. 
I and them and you and me all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me so they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me, and I have reveal, revealed you to them and will keep on revealing you. I will do this so that your love for me may be in them and I in them. First John Introduction The one who existed from the beginning is the one who we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is Jesus Christ, the word of life. This one who is life from God was shown to us, and we have seen him, and now we testify and announce to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was shown to us. We are telling you about what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and your fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy will be complete. This is the message he has given us to announce to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not living in the truth, but if we are living in the light of God's presence, just as Christ is, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Chapter 2 My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, there is someone to plead for you before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who pleases God completely. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He takes away not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And how can we be sure that we belong to him? By obeying his commandments. If someone says, I belong to God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and does not live in the truth. But those who obey God's word really do love him. That is the way to know whether or not we live in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment, for it is an old one you have always had, right from the beginning. 
This commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. This commandment is true in Christ and is true among you because the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. If anyone says, I am living in the light, but hides a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves other Christians is living in the light and does not cause anyone to stumble. Anyone who hates a Christian brother or sister is living and walking in darkness. Such a person is lost, having been blinded by the darkness. I am writing to you, my dear children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you who are young because you have won the battle with Satan. I have written to you, children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you who are mature because you know Christ, the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you who are young because you are strong with God's word living in your heart and you have won the battle with Satan. Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see and pride in your possessions. These are not from the Father, they are from the evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already much such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the end of the world has come. These people left our churches because they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left us, it proved that they do not belong with us. But you are not like that. For the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, all you know the truth. And all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. And who is the great liar, the one who says that Jesus is not the Christ? Such people are antichrist, for they have denied the Father and the Son. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will continue to live in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life. He promised us. I have written these things to you because you need to be aware of those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and He lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you all things, and what He teaches is true. It is not a lie. So continue in what He has taught you, and continue to live in Christ. And now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with Christ, 
so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that God is always right, we also know that all who do what is right are his children. Living as children of God, chapter 3. See how very much our Heavenly Father loves us, for He allows us to be called His children. And we really are. But the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are His children. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when He comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who believe this will keep themselves pure, just as Christ is pure. Those who sin are opposed to the law of God, for all sin opposes the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, for there is no sin in him. So if we continue to live in him, we won't sin either. But those who keep on sinning have neither known him or understood who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it is because they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when they keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil. Who has been sinning from the beginning? But the Son of God came to destroy these works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not sin because God's life is in them, so they can't keep on sinning because they have been born of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are the children of the devil. Anyone who does not obey God's commands and does not love other Christians does not belong to God. Love one another. This is the message we have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was right, evil, and his brother had been doing what was right. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murders don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. But if anyone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need and refuses to help, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us stop saying, just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before the Lord even if our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence. 
we can come to God with bold confidence and he will receive whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that pleases him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments live in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Discerning False Prophets, Chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is the way to find out if they have the Spirit of God. If a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ became a human being, that person has the Spirit of God. If a prophet does not acknowledge Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is going to come into the world, and he is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these false prophets, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. These people belong to this world, so they speak from the, the world's viewpoint. And the world listens to them. But we belong to God. That is why those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Loving one another. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loves us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we lo love each other, God lives in us and his love has been brought into full expression through us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in him. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we are like Christ here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of judgment. 
And this shows that his love has not been perfected in us. We love each other as a result of his loving us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we have not seen? And God himself has commanded that we must love not only him, but our Christian brothers and sisters too. Chapter 5. Faith in the Son of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and really that isn't difficult. For every child of God defeats this evil world by trusting Christ to give the victory, and the ones who win this battle against the world are the ones who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by his baptism in water, and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit also gives us the testimony that this is true. So we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about His Son. All who believe in the Son of God know that this is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about His Son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So whosoever has God's Son has life. Whoever does not have his son does not have life. I write this to you who believe in the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life and we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. And if we know he is listening when we make our request, We can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying you should pray for those who commit it. Every wrong is sin, but not all sin leads to death. We know that those who have become part of God's family do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on them. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the power and control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God And now we are in God because we are in His Son, Jesus Christ. It is the only true God, and He is eternal life. 
Dear children, keep away from anything that might take the place of God's love in your heart. chapter 17 verse 20 through verse 22 that you'll find this was Jesus last intercessory prayer for us and so if Jesus was standing right here wouldn't you want him to pray for you well Jesus prayed for you and see Jesus always there's some things about Jesus some things that he did, and we'll talk about in his prayer life. Jesus knew the perfect will of God 100% of the time. So Jesus prayed the perfect will of God when he was praying for you. So if you'll grab a hold of this, it'll change your life. And not only did he pray the perfect will of God, but Jesus always got all of his prayers answered. Because he prayed the perfect will of God. And in this particular passage, Jesus prayed and he says, I'm praying for those that shall believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Well, then he prayed for you and he says, I pray for those that shall believe. And he says, I pray, dear God, that the same glory that you give me, that you give it to them. So we've got it. We've got it. Now, just because of the fact that we may not believe it is no sign that we don't have it. Because God says we've got it. Because Jesus prayed for it. So we have it. And uh, so that word glory in the Greek, the Greek word, I'll try to pronounce it as doxa. D-O-X-A. And it's mentioned several times throughout the New Testament. And uh, that word, the fuller meaning of doxa, is the reputation of God. Now, how many knows that God was well represented in the life and ministry of Jesus? He did a good job. He did an excellent job. He did a superior job. And so now, we have the reputation of God in this world. Jason, you've got it. It's yours. It's, a, it's all of ours. That shall believe. If you're a believer, it's yours. You have it. But isn't it a shame? Even if you're renting a house and in your backyard, two feet down under the earth, there's a diamond the size of you. 
it's yours. You just go dig it up. Don't tell the person that you're landlord. Just bury it back up. Put a rock there. Take the diamond out. But wouldn't it be a shame for you to own some property? I don't care if it's a tenth of an acre and it's a diamond mine. It's there. It's yours. And it's there. And you live your whole life in poverty. But you are a multi-trillionaire. Wouldn't that be a shame? Well, the body of Christ, really, the whole body of Christ is living like beggars in comparison to what we really have spiritually, even financially. We're living like beggars. We don't know what we've got. Well, so now, and we can give a lot of more scriptures to validate it, but that's pretty valid, but Study the Bible and you'll see that we have the glory of God now. So, if you have something that you need to know at first, and then knowing it, then you need to know how to activate it for it to be a reality in this natural world. I don't want something just to be a reality in the Word of God, something spiritually, and it, and it never comes into manifestation naturally, that... According to the word of God, every sickness and every disease is a lie. Because on the cross, Jesus took all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases, all of our problems. So it's all a lie. Well, from a natural standpoint, point, it's, it's not a reality. So I want to pull it out of the word of God, and I want, it to, I want to experience it. I don't want to just be healed spiritually and physically, sick or have problems. I don't want to live in poverty naturally, but spiritually it's true. I want, I want to pull it out of the spirit world, and I want to experience it in the natural. And every human being does too. And God wants it to be a reality. And so I want to share with you how to pull it out of the spiritual world. In essence, it's in the bank. It's got your name on it, the glory of God. But I want to make a withdrawal. How many wants to make a withdrawal? Well, you can make a withdrawal this morning. Because you're a child of God. And so I'll show you how to make a withdrawal. It's in 2 Corinthians and chapter 4, verse 17. Now, verse 17 talks predominantly. The major subject of verse 17 is God's glory. And it'll mention that word glory, the same Greek word, doxa, in that last phrase in verse 17. Talking about we have God's glory, his reputation. And then it tells us how to activate it. In verse 18, it says, While we look not at those things which are seen, for they're temporal, but while we look at those things which are eternal, for they're not seen. And so, real evident, it's talking about two kind of eyes. And every human being has two sets of eyes. You've got natural eyes, and you've got spiritual eyes. And so, if you want to have... That deposit that God has put in your account for the glory of God, if you want to bring it out of the nat out of the spiritual world and bring it into the natural world where that you can feel it and you can taste it with your five physical senses, then the only way that you can do it, you have the glory of God while you look not with your natural eyes but with your spiritual eyes. In essence, if you can see it with your spiritual eyes, it'll manifest. It'll be a reality. 
Now, you know, I've taught this, I, I, I'd be willing to say I've taught this for 30 years. This is something that I know. It's, it's, it's inside of me. But how many has known something for a long time and then you kind of forget about it? You just sort of forget about it. You know, if you have a, a, a lockbox and you don't use it all the time, you can forget that combination. And then you can't get in your lockbox. And so this, I mean, the light just turned on. Now, I, you know, I, I teach this at different times. Even all over the world where Ted and I go. But just when we were in Colorado just last week, Ted and I, we were eating, I don't know, breakfast or we have a good fellowship when we just, during meal times, because just he and I were talking. And, and Ted said, you know, he says, uh, I forgot exactly how he said it. He said, but you know, the Spirit of the Lord kind of dealing with me that uh, maybe you need to start, when you pray for people, make sure that you tell them, don't look at it with your natural eye. Don't look at it while you're praying, but use your spiritual eye. And the light just turned on. Now, see, we, we need to be open. And so God was using Ted to bring back to my remembrance a truth that I kind of let slip. And so that, then that night, and I said, well, that's good, Ted. I, I, that, that's right. That's right, Ted. I need to get that rooted and grounded in me again. And, uh, and so that night, I went ahead and preached the message, and I'm praying for people, and really kind of forgot about our conversation. Then, there was a little boy, and we brought him off the platform. There was probably 400 people there. I think, it was, I think they said there was 400, something like that. And we brought him up on the platform about this high, and just praying for people that uh, needed, in other words, I, things that could be seen visibly. That if, you know, that uh, like people that had deformed bodies and, and maybe uh, blind or um, short arms or short legs or that sort of thing. So people can see because the Bible talks about how that we need to demonstrate the power of God. Not just have the word of God, but to have demonstration so that people's faith would stand in the power of God and not just in a bunch of words. And I'm not, I'm not taken away from the word of God, but if. Here's what, here's what changed my life just a few years ago that God corrected me. And he says, now, he says, you only have half a gospel. And, I, and it made me mad. You know, because I said, God, you know. Man, I, 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 I preached the word of God. I had a lot of scripture. Every sermon, man, I'm popping verses out. I made, quote, 50 verses in one sermon. And so I'm thinking, you're wrong, God. That ain't right. And he says, no. He says, uh, he says, you preach the word, but you don't let me have signs following. And you know it's equal? He says, he says, I confirm my word with signs following. And if you don't have signs following your ministry, you only have half a ministry. And I thought, well, he's right. So I made the correction. And so we have demonstration in every service since then. There'll be a demonstration of the power of God. Because I, I, I want to have full gospel, not half. You? I don't want half Jesus, half God. I want it all. I'm like a little boy named Jimmy. I want everything you'll give me. So I brought the little boy, and he, he was, we went to pray for him there in Denver, Colorado. And this little boy, I don't know if he was born that way. I don't know. He's probably 10, 12 years of age. 
but he was deformed. He had one leg that I can't remember exactly because we prayed for so many, but I would say it was at, at least an inch and a half shorter than the other leg. And he had a, uh, an arm and he had a hand that was shrunken. And so his hand was half the size, something like that, uh, of the other hand, maybe not quite half, but real small. And then he had, and then one arm was probably about six inches shorter than the other. And I prayed for him and nothing happened. And then I heard Ted's voice speak to me. He says, you know, tell people, don't use their natural eyes. And I prayed for him and nothing happened. And so I prayed for him again. I was watching his eyes and he was looking at his feet. He was looking at it. And then I told him, I said, no, close your eyes. Don't use your natural eyes. Use your spiritual eye. And with your spiritual eye, in your mind's eye, I want you to see that foot growing out. And I'm telling you what, that crowd come unglued. I prayed again, and that leg just went And then we did the same thing with his arm. I said, now don't lose your natural eye. Your natural eye will cheat you from the truth. It'll cheat you from the truth. Use your spiritual eye. And then his, his hand come undone, and you can see his hands, his arms just grow out there, hand come undone. I'm telling you what, if you can see it with your spiritual eye, you can have it. Now, if it'll materialize a body like that, how much more would all the other truths in God's Word work for us? I mean, start seeing it. Start, start seeing some things. Now, I want to show you how important it is. Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians, and I can quote this, but I want to I may camp out here for a little while. So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. This is how important it is. 2 Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Here... We can camp out right here for a couple hours, but I'm just going to just share one little tidbit here, a little piece. And that is, every Christian needs to know we are at war. And we're at war with demonic forces, Satan's kingdom. Now, if you're at war, that means 24 hours a day that you need to keep your armor on. And one of the major things is put on a helmet of salvation. And what a helmet does, it guards your brain. And so 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day, we need to make sure if a thought comes, and see the Bible talks about how that Satan, he shoots fiery darts. And those fiery darts are thoughts. And he tries to shoot them into our brain. And if we'll accept thoughts that are not good, if you get a thought that doesn't encourage you, doesn't lift you up, you replace that with God's word. And that's exactly the reason why. You, you never get so close to God that you're exempt from being in war. The closer you walk with God, the more arrows you get. You walk in my shoes, and you'll see. One of the things will happen, either you're going to have tremendous victory, or you're going to be in the nut house. Because of the fact that you're going to get a lot of arrows. I get a lot of arrows. So I keep my helmet on. I sleep with it on. Because I'm in war. I sleep with it on. And so if I get a thought, and if it's not good, if it's not holy, if it's not godly, and if I'm not sure, when in doubt, I kick it out. And if you ever see me going down the highway, 
that now it's okay to listen to radio and stuff, but most of the time, especially when I'm by myself, that man, I'm just talking to God, quoting scriptures. And I enjoy that, and that, that just keeps my mind. And perfect peace will I give those whose mind is stayed on me. And that word peace is shalom. Everything that you could desire, want, or need. And it all has to do with the thought line. Amen. So anyway, understand you're at war. We're at war 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. I remember when I was in the military that uh, we'd go out on uh, bivouac. And bivouac was, uh, uh, in other words, practicing, training you for being in warfare. And, and we slept with our boots on. We slept with our all of our armor. Isn't that right? Amen. Isn't that right, John? General John? You slept with your weapon. Slept with it. So that you're ready 24 hours a day. And uh, and that's what we have to do. Because we're at war. We're at war. But it's okay. Because the greater is he that's in us than he's in the world. So let's go on here. Understand you're at war. For well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, verse 4, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now here's what we do in war. We pull down strongholds, cast down imagination. What, uh, what, what, what's imaginations? Thought life. Cast them down. And every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. So what is it when you look? What is your eyes telling you? It's giving you knowledge. And if your eyes say, oh, you don't have it. If you had it, you could see it. Well, what are you doing? You're exalting a natural knowledge above the supernatural knowledge. You're ex Really, you're exalting natural knowledge above divine knowledge. Now, who's smarter? Your brain, your eyeballs, or God? And if you want what God's got, we've got to do it God's way. So start seeing with your spiritual. In essence, this is war. This is immediately, this is what we do in warfare, God is saying. This is a major, this is a major issue. Cast down imaginations and every knowledge that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And here's what, here's what your eyeballs will tell you. They'll say, that's not true. And so what you're saying, you're exalting what your eyeballs see above the knowledge of God. And that's demonic. It really is. And that's how we get wounded. Because of the fact that we exalt a natural knowledge above the knowledge of God. Because our eyes say, no, I don't see it. I don't feel it. I can't taste it. Okay, let's go on. Against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Did you, do you notice what we're doing here? The major warfare is the thought life, imaginations, knowledge, thoughts. It doesn't even say anything else. It doesn't, it doesn't say that your major warfare is arguing with somebody in the Bible. Or anything, any kind of a physical con confrontation. It's all the thought life. Now here's what I want you to see right here. The word thought. And bring every thought, make every thought, bring it into the obedience of Christ. Make every thought, not 90%. Smith Wigglesworth made the statement, 
and I forgot what the statement was, but it would be equivalent to 10 million today, that God will walk over, he'll cross over 10 million people that are sold out 99% to get to that one person that is sold out 100%. 1% of you will cause defeat. You know, I had an experience when we lived down in Taylor, Texas, and I've told this many times, and I could remember that for a few years prior to that, Jesus appeared to me in a, in a dream, and he told me the rest of my life that I'll, be, I'll have confrontation with demonic forces. So anyway, um, I would take authority over demonic forces in the name of Jesus. And he told me, just use the name of Jesus, and they would always leave. But this particular time, I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm wide awake. I sat up in bed, and I am experiencing the, the worst horror than I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm, you know, you asked Donna. There's just nothing. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. Ted, you know, I, you can talk to Ted. He, he, he's been with me. I go out to my buffalo. Big old buffalo. Weighs, you know, almost, eh, he probably weighed at that piece. He's young, so he probably only weighed maybe 1,600, 1,800 pounds. I walk up to him and pet him. A buffalo can throw you 30 feet in the air that I can remember a, 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 a bull elk that I had, and he had some problems, and so I need to help him out. And so I just took this lasso, and I just floated around his horns, and I pulled, kept pulling to my Jeep, and just kept pulling until I got his head all the way down, and then just worked on him. That I'm not afraid of anything. And I, because of, you know, I, you know, some people say, well, you're crazy. I, you know, no, I'm just... I, I believe greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And, but I'm, and I said all right to say this. You know, I'm not afraid of anything. There's just nothing I'm afraid of. You know, I've seen the devil many times. Not a whole lot of times. But, you know, maybe four or five times. Seen him face to face. Now, he's the worst problem you can come up against. And I'm not afraid of him because he's afraid of me when I use the name of Jesus, and he always leaves. But this particular time, I'm telling you what, I experienced more horror, more torment than I've ever experienced in my life. I woke up, I didn't see anything, and I'd seen just thousands of demons before then, and used to, I'd get, there'd be a little bit of fear because the, you're not facing something that's natural, you're facing something that's supernatural. And you can ask Donna, there's times I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'm saying, in, 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 the, in the name, you know, trying to get out in the name of Jesus, but it's not coming out. And she'd grab a hold of my arm, and all my hairs are standing up. And, I, you know, I got a lot of Indian blood, so if I had full blood, I wouldn't have no hair. But I had all three of them standing up, just like ice picks, you know. And, but, I, but I learned to, you know, have authority over that to where that I now wake up in the middle of the night, and it still happens. There's times I've woke up in the middle of the night, man, my leg is hurting so bad, and I wake up in the middle of the night, and there's a big old demon about seven foot tall, and he's grabbing a hold of my foot, and he's got it up in the air, and my foot's up in the air, and he's got a hold of it. Well, I take authority of him. I don't sweat anymore. Don't get afraid. You know, no, and, and so, but this particular time, I didn't see any demons, but I heard noises that were so supernaturally 
torment that I knew no human being could possibly live more than two or three minutes, maybe even a minute, if they continued to listen to these horrifying demonic sounds. And it was like they just compassed about me around my bed. I heard them through the walls. And they were making these, these noises that were tormenting. And I knew that I would die. If I had to keep listening to these for two or three minutes, I'm going to die. And so immediately, I, I, I said, I'm going to do what Jesus said. And I rebuked them in Jesus' name. And they didn't leave. I did it again. And then immediately, man, faster than machine gun bullets, I'm talking to God. And my, in my thought life, I'm saying, God, you told me. Jesus said, if I rebuke them in Jesus' name, they'll leave. He says, this category of, of demons, the way that you rebuke them in Jesus' name, is having your mind stayed on me. So what are you doing? You're using the name of Jesus by putting the name of Jesus in your mind. And so one of the things I found out, and so I did that. Immediately, man, I just started quoting scripture. Quoting scripture. And then I thought, I'm going to check to see if they're gone. That's the worst thing that you can do is check and see if the problem is solved according to your sensibilities. If you want to check, check the word of God. Because checking from the natural standpoint is going to kill you. It's going to kill you. And so, but one of the things I found out, and so I, I did this about three times, that I, that I jumped back into the word of God, began to just speak the word of God in my mind, because I didn't want to wake Donna up. And so I'm just speaking. I might have been speaking it real soft, but I'm, I'm just filling my mind and my life with the word of God. And the, the torment and incident was gone. And then I said, I'm going to just check and see. And after the third time, I said, I'm not checking anymore. And I just, I just kept my mind until I fell asleep. But one of the things I found out, those demons knew if there was 1% of me that didn't fully stay in the Word of God, if there was 1% of me that didn't keep my mind stayed, they knew if there was 1%. 1% was that gap like Job had. Those demons are walking around. They're looking for a gap where that they can come in and spoil you. And it's in the thought line. It's in the thought line. They know when 1%, if there's 1%, they know. And so you've got to do the same thing. Bring every thought, every thought. Not every sentence, every thought. And make it obey the word of God. And you will have victory. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. Those are strongholds. And you pull them down in the name of Jesus, the word of God. Now I want to show you something. This word thought, it says, and bringing into captivity every, it says, make, in, I'm sorry, making every thought, bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. Making every thought obey the word of God. That word thought, Co-equally, in the Greek, is rendered device or vice. Now, I want you to think about this. If Satan had a great big vice, y'all know what a vice is? Maybe some of you ladies don't. But uh, I'll explain it. A vice is an instrument that men will take and they have it in their shop and they crank it down. It's got these big jaws and you can put something in there and you crank it down with this crank until that vice holds that piece of 
thing that you've got, whatever it is. And it'll hold it tight. And if you get it tight enough, you can do anything you want with that piece of material. You can take a saw, electric saw, and that, that piece will not move. You will have full authority over that piece, and you can just cut it in half. You can burn it. You can do anything you want, and it will not move because now you have full authority over that piece of material. And the Bible says we make every thought obey Christ. Device. Thoughts are devices. They're a vice of Satan. That Satan, if he can get a hold of you with your thought life, and you take one thought, one thought that's not a godly thought, it's equivalent to Satan's big vice, and he's got your head in there. And he cranks it down. Now he can do anything he wants with your body, with your mind, with your finances, and anything else. Because it's his vice. A vice of Satan is a thought. A thought. First it's a thought. Then it's an imagination. It'll never come into an imagination if you kill the thought. Amen. And so that's how powerful it is. I'm letting you know we're at war. And the war is your eyes. You will have the glory of God if you don't exalt a knowledge of the natural above the knowledge of God. Because if you exalt the knowledge above the knowledge of God, that's a vice of Satan. That's how strong it is. There's multi-millions of Christians, probably billions, that have died prematurely because Satan, they let Satan put their head in a vice. And he controlled their finances, controlled their marriages, controlled their happiness, controlled their joy, controlled their, their health, everything else. A vice of the devil. Amen. Yeah, pretty simple. Absolutely powerful. Amen. This is one of those messages you just need to listen to all the time. At least once a month to get us back on track. Understand, we're at warfare. Amen. But we win. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The worst tormenting thing that the devil could possibly be due to a human being comes down in the name of Jesus. We make it obey. Amen. Satan's greatest strongholds are nothing went to the word of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's look around here. And that's what I do when I minister to people. You know, I just, I look. Not with my natural eyes, but I look with my spiritual eyes. And we all have spiritual eyes, especially if Jesus is the Lord of your life. Well, you have spiritual eyes. And, uh, oh, I won't get into all this because if I do, we'll be here for three or four days and I'll teach that same uh, thing that I taught how to see in the spirit world. And uh, so just get that teaching and then you got it. Amen. 